0: Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's somebody, we hope you are really blessed by hearing it. Hello. Oh, really? Hello. Oh, you're still awake, that's good. Um, it, um my name's Rowena. For those of you who don't know me, um I look after evangelism and discipleship here at St Saviour's. Um and I have the joy of talking about you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. Now, what is false testimony? Well, basically, it's lying. So I get the joy of talking about lies. So everything in my talk has to be truth, because it's, and when you're preparing for it, everything in your week has to be truth, because you're thinking, oh, can't send that text and then turn up tomorrow and preach that. And at first glance, you might think it means lying about your neighbor. But when we think about who our neighbor is, it's everyone. I don't think you'll find anywhere in the Bible where God just stops and goes, do you know what? Just this time, it's okay for you to lie about that thing. I've not found that yet. Is anyone else? Where God's gone, do you know, crack on, lie away. No. Even if the dreaded words come towards you of, does my bum look big in this? God's still up there going, see how you handle this one. And the answer should always be no. yes, because quite frankly, it does, because I eat loads of chips, but who says a big butt is a bad thing? Yes, it's good enough for some mix a it's good enough for me. If you don't know who that is, look it up and watch that song, Away From Me. Um, yeah, Totally don't know what I'm doing now. But lies keep us from full relationship with our, with our loving Father. Stormy O'Martian, who's written all those books that are the power of the praying, wife, husband, parent, she says, lies give a little piece of your heart to the enemy. The enemy is a liar, and all the evil he does begins with a lie. And it sounds so dramatic, but it's dramatic because it's true. Proverbs 21.6 says, A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. So, wow, you may think you're getting something by lying, but it's fleeting. And all you're really doing is bringing death into your life. In Proverbs 19.5, it says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not, not go free. So, again, you might think, oh, wow, we've got away with that or that you're doing it for the greater good. But I think we forget that God can see us, and he can hear us. I'm on a um, Facebook group for vicars' Wives and Husbands. There's about 499 people in there. It's the freakiest place I dwell. And in there, I often see people going, this is a safe space. And I think to myself, well, A, there is nowhere safe on the internet. It's on the internet. So someone can find it who has better computer skills than me. And B, you can't, there is nowhere in the world where you can say mean things about other people and God can't hear you. So do you see how lies always have a way of being found out in the end? They do, don't they? It could be years, it could be minutes, but it's very rare for a lie not to be exposed at some point. And I think that earlier proverb tells us why. But I love this thing that Jesus says in John 8, 42, 44. Jesus said to them, "'If God were your father, you would love me, "'for I have come here from God. "'I have not come on my own, God sent me. "'Why is my language not clear to you?' He then explains why it isn't. "'Because you're unable to hear what I say. "'You belong to your father, the devil, "'and you want to carry out your father's desires. "'He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, the father of lies. So Jesus is telling us that the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, is the father of lies. He's the author of lies. And when you consider that, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I'm like, whoa, okay, Hands up who now, in this moment, wants to tell a lie when you've just heard that. I'm so glad no one put their hand up. But why do we lie? If you're brave, shout out some reasons why we lie. Why do we lie? Self-preservation, good one. Fear. Embarrassment, shame. Pride. To cover up. Greed, none of those words are good, are they? Not one of those reasons is good. I had written down fear, or to save someone's feelings. Lies we say in anger. You always, or you never, in arguments. Tim Keller says of those particular ones, these statements are not only factually untrue, but they're designed to bludgeon. Just think your words, bludgeon people. How awful. I've definitely been guilty of saying those to Ron a few times. Although, of course, he never would point that out to me. He's just done it then. He's literally sitting there going... There are benevolent lies when you continually lie to cover up for friends, when actually we should be confronting them about their choices. We go, Oh, well, I'm just protecting them. I, I, you know, I'm trying to save them. But actually, how is leaving them in a place where they're hurting themselves and others helping them? It's not, is it? I love the film Elf. And in the film Elf, he's walking through New York and he sees that sign that says the greatest cup of coffee. And he runs in and goes, well done! Well done! And then he takes his girlfriend there and she says something rude, but basically it's not a good cup of coffee. But to him, he sees the sign and he thinks it's the truth because where he comes from, they don't tell lies. So if someone says it's the greatest cup of coffee, it's the greatest cup of coffee in the world. He had a very pure character, didn't he, in Elf? And it's beautiful to look at. It was beautiful to watch what he said. But I've saved the winner of all lies to the end, white lies. White lies. What's that about? But it doesn't hurt anyone. They don't hurt anyone, white lies, do they? And this is where we get really interesting, because we we start to categorize our lies. We we become judge and jury over all the lies in all the world, and we determine that some are white, good, and some are black, bad. So cheating on your partner, bad. Telling someone their butternut squash pie with butternut squash mash on the side, followed by butternut squash mousse, is amazing. Good lie. Even though you've hated butternut squash since the day you were born. It's not good. They're going to keep giving it to you. My dad, I used to buy him a Turkish delight. Me and my sister would save up buying one all the time. Whenever we went to the shop, if we wanted to tell him we loved him, we'd buy him this Turkish delight. He didn't tell us until he was a grown-up. He hated Turkish delight. I know, who said, ah then? Yes, because then when I found that out, it was gutted, absolutely gutted. I thought, what else has he lied about? Does his words really mean what they said? Because I thought I was doing something loving and all my love was kind of thrown back in my face. But he thought he was doing a loving thing not telling us. And that leads us to one of the reasons why I think God doesn't want us to lie is because it erodes trust. If someone lies to you, it's really hard to recover from, isn't it? You're left constantly wondering, is what they're saying now the truth? Can I actually trust you? And I think trust is the real basis, the foundation of all our good relationships. Say what you mean, and mean what you say. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. And that doesn't mean start blurting out comments like, You look hideous, I'm pointing at no one, in that top today. And your button-up squash curry is rank. Followed by the killer line, I'm only being honest. You know those people who just come up to you and say whatever's in their head? I'm only being honest. And you're like, no one actually asked you for your opinion right in that moment. I'm perfectly capable of saying bad things about myself. don't need you to join in. And it means in those moments where you don't want to go out, you don't want to do something, or you can't—you don't want to go to work, whatever it is, instead of lying and saying I'm busy, I'm whatever the lie is, you say, do you know what? I really appreciate being included, but I just can't face doing whatever it is. I'm tired, or I'm so low, I don't know why I'm low, I just am. I'm hurt by that, conversation we had last week, so I'd really like us to talk about that first, but I really still value our friendship or whatever. That's much harder to say, isn't it? Because we're British, and we'd just much rather go, oh, I'm so sorry, that I can't make it, and just not look at them or something. But do you know what that honesty means? Is that they can trust your words. So when you've done something wrong or said something you didn't mean or whatever it is, when you say sorry, those words have more power and more integrity because they know that you mean them. They know that when you say sorry, you mean sorry, which means people never have to worry about what you're thinking because they know they can trust you, which leads us on to another way of lying, which is gossip. The reason God doesn't want us to gossip is because that too is usually based on opinion, hearsay, more of those lovely white lies, and secrets, which really erodes trust. The very definition of gossip is hearing something you like about someone that you don't. I know who said that. I'm with you, Donna. I, I read it and did exactly what you just did, went, oh, oh, that, oh, I can't even, oh. That's harsh. And if you're not doing that, I'm going to say it again because I did what Donna did. The very definition of gossip is hearing something you like about someone you don't. And gossip is like poison or cancer in a church. It seeps into every pore, poisoning everything in its path. You know, like a volcano. That's what I imagined when I wrote that down. Like the lava comes down. It's indiscriminate. It takes out everything in its path. And gossip does the same. And do you know what gossip also does? When it's about you, it can do damage. And it can do damage to people that means they never get back up again. They stay on the floor hurting because there's always an element of truth in gossip And people will go, there's no smoke without fire. Well, do you know what? Sometimes there is smoke without any fire. And it hurts. And this definition Ron sent me this week is, my name is gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing, I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I'm quoted, the more I'm believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it's never the same." I topple governments, I wreck marriages, I ruin careers, I cause sleepless nights and heartaches, I spawn suspicion and generate grief, I make innocent people cry on their pillows, even my name hisses, gossip. I don't know about you, but that is not great. And that is not what we want in our church, and it is not what we want in our community as we go out from this church. Making the choice not to lie is really empowering. It means you have to start thinking about your words before you speak. So I'm going to challenge you all. I would love it if you'll join me because this is a challenge I did when I uh, read The Way of Wisdom and I've pretty much been doing it every single day of my life since. I want you to commit to watching yourself for a day. You know, like that out-of-body experience, watching what you're saying. How often do you shade Twist, hide, or obscure the truth. Be honest with yourself. At the end of the day, at the end of the week, if you're brave, do it for a week, and see how you get on. I think, like me, it will surprise you, because I hate lies. Literally, can't stand them. I've told our children since the day they were little, I don't care what you do, there is nothing that means we will not love you, but don't lie. The truth, whatever it is, is always better than a lie. It's probably why Jesus says the truth will set you free. And I was surprised, though, when I looked at myself for it. Well, it was two weeks in my case, because that's how long it lasted. I was literally flicking forward going, when does this end? And I thought, oh, my goodness. It was generally in my texting. I'd send a text saying, look forward to seeing you later. No, I wasn't. I wasn't looking forward to seeing them at all because they would just been really mean to me. So you don't have to say, I'm dreading seeing you, you because you're a complete whatever, but you just don't say that. Or, I'm just running late. Well, I'm running late because I left late, because I was faffing about at home. I couldn't tell you what I did, I just know I'm late and I'm sorry. Much better text. Your check is in the post. Well, it isn't because I don't even know where my checkbook is. Your check is in a drawer. And once I've worked out how to work the app on my phone properly because I'm old, I'll transfer the money into your account. Do you see what I mean? Lies. So the final thing I would love to leave with you is that there are many reasons to choose not to lie. And it's a choice we all have to make. Choosing to lie is obedience to God. Which means the flip side of that means if we're lying, we're choosing to be disobedient. God made the Ten Commandments because they're what's best for us. They're what's good for us. The Ten Commandments are God's loving words to us. You see, the world tells us that the commandments are a list of outdated rules. Outdated rules, don't bother about following them. Let's make up our own rules because the world has moved on. Note to self, if you're reading Read Scripture with us, has the world moved on at all? No, it hasn't, has it? We're exactly the same as we were then, and we've had Jesus. So there's a reason he wrote those down, or not Jesus, obviously. I'm aware it wasn't Jesus that wrote those Ten Commandments before any one high theologian starts to send me a text saying, looking forward to seeing you. You're wrong. The world tells us that they're outdated, but it's the opposite of the truth, and what does the truth do? Sets us free. They are guidelines for our soul, guidelines for our soul, and if you're doing the read scripture, um, I'm not going to make you put your hands up and embarrass all the people who aren't, Um, we read Hosea this week, Hosea, is that how you say it, Um, and I thought it was beautiful. Beautiful. It was a beautiful description of why the Ten Commandments are there. In Hosea 4, it says, The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and you break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. And then it says in the last killer line, That is why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. We're wasting away because we don't value God's word, because we don't follow the things he's asking us to do because they're good for us. It's not because he's up there thinking, let's think of some more rules they can't do. And that last bit really struck me, really struck me because it is so, so true. That by not following God's commandments, it's the reason why the UK's in such a mess. It's why all humans are wasting away. I don't know whether you've noticed, but in the Old Testament readings, there's a lot of talk about cutting yourself. And it says it's of the enemy. And we keep throwing worldly solutions at it to people who are really, really brokenhearted. And that feels like the only way to make them feel better. And God's up there going, it's been there since time began. My answer is pray for them. And in Jesus' name, they will be healed. But we don't, we throw worldly solutions at it. We don't need worldly solutions. All the solutions we need are here, in the Bible. The Ten Commandments are guidelines for our soul, and they bring us life, not death. They're what brings peace to our body and our soul. But the world says they're legalistic views. It's just a legalistic set of rules. Well, handily for me... That genius book that Arnold gave me, out, out it came again this week in the, we, in the reading Selwyn Hughes gave us. He said, Legalism is the misguided attempt to earn our salvation by obedience to the law. Being Christians does not exempt us from keeping God's laws. Rather, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts enables us to abide by them through divine power. Believers are not working to be saved, but working because they are saved. There's a world of difference between those two things. He's saying we don't follow the guidelines to be saved. We follow them because we are saved. Secondly, God knows we're going to find it hard. He knows it's hard to follow his commandments and to follow the things that he wants us to do that are good for our soul. So he left us his advocate, the Holy Spirit, to lead us. In Galatians 5, 16 to 17, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature wants. So it's like, oh, okay, Lord. So you know and understand that we're thinking these things. We're not hiding it from you by not saying it out loud. And one of those desires is telling lies instead of telling the truth. You're just saying, let the Holy Spirit lead your life and the Spirit will give you the longing to follow, a longing to follow me and tell the truth. And the side benefit of that is we won't buy into the worldview that they're a legalistic bunch of rules. So I think all we have to do, all God is asking us to do is to let the Holy Spirit lead our lives each day. All we have to do is get up and say, Holy Spirit, I choose to follow you and not me today. All in, completely. Not cafeteria church or consumer church where you just choose the bits you like and ignore the bits that are a bit hashtag orcs. All in, scary but wonderful what would our lives look like if we all did that what would our lives look like to others in the world if we all did that it brings me to my final scripture which is 1 Peter 2 11 to 12 and it's Peter calling us to holy living and why it's so important he says dear friends I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So again, he's reminding us that this life is temporary. We're obsessed with this life. How much can we gain? How much money can we earn? What can we do? We're in here. This is like a waiting room. They sent us to do stuff while we're here for Him. But actually, if we're fixed on our eternal life, which is the clue is in the title, eternal, and that doesn't mean it's a pop band from the 90s. It means it's forever forever we're only here for a while and he's calling us to holy living while we're here and funnily enough that doesn't include lying to our neighbors and by not lying to our neighbors other people will see Jesus in us they will see that we choose to live differently because I'm going to say it to you again if we don't look different what is the point in being a Christian If we just look exactly the same as the world, what's the point in being a Christian? We're called to live differently. It then also says that when people make false accusations about you or against you, they will be able to be knocked away instantly due to your previously good character that you have. Due to the fact that people know that when you say what you say, you're telling the truth. They know they can trust your word. Your yes means yes, your no means no. So my question for you as we go into our, our last song is which will you choose today? Will you choose lies or truth? Will you choose life or death? Amen. Amen. For more information, please go to www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.